Are you ready? It's that time! Hello and welcome. Welcome to yet another episode of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, we are in mourning today because I had to get a haircut. We're on episode eight of season three. Yeah, I, I got so. a haircut. So if you're if you're watching on on YouTube, you can see I have much shorter hair than before, and it's short enough that it's it's difficult to pull it back into a bun. I don't know if it. Hold on, hold on. Keep your hat off for a second. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening on on a podcast platform, it might be worth your time to go pull your hair back like you were. Go to YouTube and watch the first minute of this podcast on YouTube because I don't know if it's the filter or what, but I swear it looks like Ben has a wig on and like an evil villain wig from a bad 80s movie. That's all I had to say. Okay. It's something. It's something about like the the dark peak thing. It uh, it's gonna bother me that I can't remember what villain that reminds me of. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's difficult to pull my hair back into a man bun. So we're at one and a half man buns in Jesus right now. Uh, I I shall uh, uh, do penance more. Yeah, no, I was gonna say I was gonna mourn that uh, with ash cloth or sackcloth and ashes next week as we mourn the passing of Christ, but uh, it seems a bit over the top. <laughs> a bit. A bit. Anyway, uh, we are continuing on with our study of First Corinthians this week after a week's deviation, uh, and we're looking at First Corinthians nine today. And uh, as we dive into this, I'm just going to give you a warning. It's a bit of a chunk of a passage today. So there might be things that you want us to cover that we don't get to from this passage because Josh and I only have so much time before people get mad at us for spending too much time on this podcast. Um, and if you have things that you feel like we don't address, uh, reach out to us. Tell us what specifically and we'll maybe do one of those hot takes episodes on some of your uh, some of your thoughts and comments here. But here's 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are not you my workmanship in the Lord? If to others I am not an apostle, at least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife, as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? Or who tends a flock without getting some of its milk? Do I say these things on human authority? Does not the law say the same? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. It is uh, for the oxen that God is concerned. Does he not certainly speak for our sake? It was written for our sake because the plowman should plow in hope and the thresher uh, thresh in hope of sharing the crop. If we have sown spiritual things among you, is it too much that we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do not we even more? Nevertheless, we have not uh, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than putting an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who are employed in the temple service uh, temple service get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. 
but I have made no use of any of these rights, nor am I writing these things to secure such a provision. For I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of my ground for boasting. For I, if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. For if I do this of my own will, I will have reward. But if I, but if not of my own will, I am still entrusted with stewardship. What then is my reward? That in my preaching I may present the gospel free of charge, so as not to make full use of uh, my right in the gospel? For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, Josh, where are we going with this with this week? Oh, man. Uh, there are so many great places we can go with this. And, um, well. Should we just have a boxing match? Yeah, that would work because we're in the same state. <laughs> Best practices 2024. Ben versus Josh. <laughs> that would end badly. I don't think yeah. either of us would actually win. In that experience. Um, so ultimately, uh, folks listening, what, what we're going to be doing is we're, we're going to be talking about humility. Um, and kind of the connection of this passage, we're going to get there. But I want to throw a couple things out that I think are worth little notes here. Um, the first is, if you look at verse 19 through verse 23, Paul is saying, um, Though I am free from all, I made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. Uh, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Um, I become all things, and ultimately, it's, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. And the reason I want to draw attention to this is, first of all, to explain maybe some of the things that I do. And as a a word of advice, because I, I know, I know for a fact that several people who have aspirations to become pastors, listen to this podcast. And this is what if you're going to ask me to sign off on you going to seminary, this is one of the biggest qualifiers that I have. Can you be all things to all people? To some extent, right? No one can no one can do that perfectly. But if you are a pastor, or if you are someone doing ministry, on some level, you have to be a social comedian. Not comedian, social chameleon. You have to be able to blend in with the people that you're ministering to. And the reason why I say this explains a little bit of, of what I do, right? If you see me interact with the retired folks in our congregation, it's going to be a lot different than how you see me act and, and kind of how I communicate with the young adults of our congregation. I am doing my best to reach people where they're at. And that includes kind of using, like doing things that they like to do and using language that they use and kind of talking in whatever their social dialect is, right? Not in a kind of obtuse way, 
hopefully in in a authentic way, but it, it looks a little different. And as a pastor, you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to kind of to talk to other people in a way that's going to feel natural to them while also maintaining this line of remaining faithful, right? So if you're, if you're doing ministry to uh, some people and they, they love doing drugs and that's something they love to do, you, you have to be able to communicate with them without doing drugs, right? You like, you have to, you have to find where that, and that's a really easy line to say, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't probably be doing meth. I shouldn't do that. Um, so that should be a pretty easy line to draw, but you have to be able to balance that. And that is my word of advice to my future seminarians, uh, and maybe some explanation to people who are like, this is not the same guy that preaches on Sunday. And I'm like, no, I, you're right. I, I, I adapt, adapt, improvise, overcome. Um, I think the other uh, thing I want to throw up, what? Go ahead. I think to kind of riff off of that just for a second, um, to me, a big piece of becoming all things to all people is not necessarily just you have to be able to engage in anything because you can have things that you don't care about or that you aren't that interested in. And it's going to, I have to be really careful about what I follow this up with. Um, hey. That's no, true. You can you use, like base, you can use this you don't like baseball at all, but Josh was at least able to recognize that today is opening day, and I am decked out in my twins gear. Um, and he he knows nothing of baseball. And that's that's fine. I don't care. He also knew nothing of hockey 20 years ago, and he's his son's come around on that and, and heard the gospel of uh John Tortorella. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the gospel according to Gretzky. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's chance for him yet with baseball. We'll see. Um, it's a numbers thing, dude. You'll get it eventually. Um, that whole thing aside, even if there's something that you don't like at all, being able to show a genuine interest in something for the sake of someone is important. Um, I have little to no interest at all in like fashion or um, I'm like, shocked. What a my revelation. General, my general appearance is I dress comfortable. <laughs> I, I try to live up to like the 30th percentile standard of what's acceptable <laughs> and whatever is comfortable. Um, that's not entirely true, but kind of. But I had high schoolers over my vicarage year, my internship year during seminary, that uh, were very interested in that world. And I listened to them as they talked about some of the struggles related to that. Not because I wanted to know more about that world necessarily, but because I wanted to get to know them so that I can serve them as part of the congregation that I was serving. Um, right. You blend in because you care about the people. Yeah. And it, not even necessarily blend in. You can be honest with them about the fact that you don't necessarily like you're not going to bring anything to the table in that conversation but you're willing to hear their frustration you might be able to give them some insight as somebody outside of it as well so all of that is to say like even if you can't grasp the subject or have zero interest in a subject at least have interest in the people um and i think there's a, a level of humility that comes with that where Paul is saying, I've become a servant to all, right? Lending someone your ear and giving them a genuine uh, level of interest and uh, engagement, that is becoming a servant to them as you help them process what they're feeling and experiencing, uh, especially when it's faith-related. So, yeah. And, and if you think about it, there is something self-sacrificial 
I mean, I'm going to keep running with the baseball example. If I like, if I take time out of my day to keep updated on what's happening in the baseball world, like that's on some level a sacrifice for me because I genuinely just do not care. Uh, but if I, I I do it for the sake of people who do care about baseball very deeply, um, I don't. I think Ben's door is broken. I don't. I don't know what he's doing. But the second tangential thing I just wanted to throw out was um, this last bit, verses twenty-four to twenty-seven, where it culminates in Paul saying, "I don't run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air," um, and he's kind of using this metaphor, these athletic metaphors for faith. And this is something that has, I think I'm, I'm wired differently than a lot of people. Because how I look at the world is if you're going to do something, do it, do it right, do it excellently, like put, put whatever it takes in to get it done, get it done well. Um, you know, like I, I'm taking classes and I'll get to the last assignment in the class and I could just not do it because if I get a zero on the assignment, I would still have an A in the class. But I do it and I put my all into it, even though it, it doesn't matter at all, because that's that's kind of my attitude. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, if you're going to be a Christian, do it. But I see so many people who are like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but, you know, I'm only I'm only going to go to church a couple times a week or like. I'm only really going to think about what my faith has to do with life a couple times a week. Uh, I'm only going to church, go to church a couple times a month. You go a couple times a week, you're dedicated. Um, but it's like, if you're going to be a Christian, do it. A hundred percent. You are in, it impacts every part of your life. It is foundational to how you make decisions, how you look at things. Like, let it do that. And, and that's what Paul is saying here. He's like, if, if you're going to run this race, run it. Don't, don't phone it in. Don't coast through. Do it. So those are my tangents. But where we're going with this humility is Paul's whole first thing. He's explaining all these rights that he has that he is leaving on the table for the sake of the people that he is ministering to. And... I suspect this was this was probably controversial at the time. Just the way he's writing it, I think that a lot of people when they first heard this in Corinth were like, dude, what's like, why would you do stuff? Like, why would you surrender your rights like that? Especially if you remember some of the context, Paul is a Roman citizen and he has all the rights that come with being a Roman citizen. And that is not like, we have no concept in America. It's it's pretty easy if you're born here, you're a citizen. To be a Roman citizen in the Roman Empire was not an easy thing to be, and it came with a lot of benefits at the expense of everyone else in the Roman Empire. And he was like, so when he says, "I'm surrendering surrendering my rights," that has a lot of a lot of kind of hidden meaning. So it was controversial then, but I think even now we are so concerned with our rights and mm -hmm. don't, don't mess with our rights and our right to this and our right to that. And my, I mean, my question well, with a lot of that is why, <laughs> what gives you, what gives us the right to anything um, yeah. other than our legal precedents. But what Paul is saying here is like his, he, he believes his service to others and the faith of others is more important than defending his rights to these various things. So mm -hmm. when we're looking at humility and when we're saying, well, we're going to surrender our rights, that is because at its core, humility is considering others as more important than yourself. And Part of that means if, if you think the person next to you is more important than you, of course, you're going to give up something for their sake. Are you, and like, look at it in terms of a family. If you, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, if you believe that your, your spouse, your wife or your husband is like taking care of them is more important than taking care of yourself. 
and you have to make a sacrifice for them, you're going to make it without hesitation. And Paul is saying we should apply that kind of logic to everyone because our priority should be the mission of the gospel, not on our rights in, in whatever that means. So that's why we're talking about humility today. And after however long it's been, we finally made it to the main topic of the of the day. What do we think, Ben? I mean, briefly to, to just kind of give us a, a little bit more context here too. There are three kind of, uh, or I guess four rights that Paul is speaking about giving up, at least as far as I can tell. And you can tell me if you see something else that I'm missing here. Um, the first is just to be comfortable. Uh, he frames it as the right to eat and drink. Uh, but he kind of clarifies that later, that he's willing to to weaken himself and his position in order to serve the weak. And so he's kind of giving up his right to comfort and to always being fed. Um, he's giving up his right to get married um, because though a bunch of the other apostles are taking along their wives, um, he's not worried about that. Uh, he's more worried about in this particular case, doing what God has called him to do. And he doesn't think that that necessarily involves him getting married. He's giving up his ability to work for a living, his right to work for a living. Um, he's relying on the, the kindness of others um to sustain him in his ministry and he's not working for his own uh his own wages uh i don't know where, what word i was looking for exactly there but that doesn't matter and then the last one that um he's giving up this one's not actually really a roman right but a jewish right as a leader in the religious community he's giving up his right to like part of the sacrifice it's not like people are bringing him their sacrificial animals and he gets to take a chunk for his own feed it's he's just taking what people are willing to give him so that it's he's doing all of this to show them that it is not about his own gain but purely about proclaiming the gospel to them. And if they are thankful for receiving that message and they want to support him, great. Above and beyond that, he's relinquishing all of his rights. And I think it's yeah. a pretty powerful statement about humility. And it, as I'm reflecting on that, I'm starting to think about what, what kinds of things uh, might be equivalent in our day and age. I mean, some of them are certainly pretty direct, like the willingness to go a little hungry to make sure that others are provided for. That carries over. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, the sacrifice right... of marriage is obviously contextual. Yeah. And I think, well, I think you could you could port you could kind of translate. We've given up uh, the the right to work for a living. You could probably translate that into people like Ben and myself who have gone into full time ministry. Um, we don't get to set our own salary. <laughs> no, no, we don't. And actually, in most places, it's considered poor taste to even like bring it up uh but like i mean for context ben ben's degree is in engineering right i have a degree from vanderbilt university in mathematics where coming out of undergrad i had six-figure offers for jobs right we could both be making a lot more money somewhere else but we i mean we gave that up because we thought this and still believe this is more important and what we're doing is more important 
Um, and, but that's a kind of professional ministry. And I want to take it to kind of, at least what I imagine is our, our average audience to you guys who are listening, what does this mean for you? Because I don't think this is a challenge. I'm going to say it more authoritatively. This is not a challenge to give up these things. This is not a checklist of, well, have you given up your comforts? Have you given, like, I think it's more setting a precedent, be willing to give up what is necessary for your service, for the mission of, of Christ. And if you're like, if you're not in full-time ministry, then your sacrifices aren't going to look exactly like this. Um, but maybe a question to reflect on is what are, what are you willing to give up for the sake of your, like, for, if you have someone in your life who doesn't believe, what would you give up to bring them to faith? Would you sacrifice, would you, would you sacrifice a meal once a week where you, and by sacrifice a meal, I don't mean that you're not eating. I mean, like you are giving them a meal. You're inviting them to dinner. Would you sacrifice one of your nights every week to have them over and to talk and to talk about faith? Uh, would you sacrifice the comfort of kind of leaving of the status quo by, by having those conversations and talking about faith and saying, hey, I have something I think is really important for you to know. Like, are you willing to sacrifice your, call it relational comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice your time? Um, when it comes to the, the ministry of the church, are you willing to give sacrificially? Right? Because in today's day and age, it costs money to keep a church open. Right? If you're a member at Edgewater, we pay rent. You have to pay, you have to pay for insurance. You have to, uh, it's, I forget what it's called. It's, it's essentially like if something goes wrong when you're gathered as a church and you're liability, liability insurance, that's the, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta pay for that. There are certain taxes you, you, you gotta pay, you gotta pay uncle Sam, you gotta do it. Um, are you willing to sacrifice part of your income to help make that happen? Because that's how churches, except for some very large, very old churches, um, that's how churches work. Is everybody in the church willing to, to give their 10%? Is everybody in the church willing to, to give you know, financially to support the church and to support all of the mission that then goes out from there. So I think that's what this challenge is, is, is the mission more important to like where on your list of priorities, where is the mission of Christ? Is it more important than your, your finance, your finances? Is it more important than your comfort? Is it more important than, you know, list these things and like you're not talking to us, right? This is this is a recording. You are not. We're not in this conversation. So obviously, like we're not putting anybody on blast. But think about it. If you were to sit down and and write one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and list your priorities, not what they should be, what they are. I mean, hopefully they're the same. But when you make decisions, what's the ultimate deciding factor? What's number one? Is it what God would have you do, or is it something else? And I don't mean to get on a soapbox here, but I think that's that's what humility, that's the kind of humility Paul is talking about. He's saying, I am putting my needs lower on the priority list. Um, I think I'm done with my rant. Do I need to okay. do damage control, Ben? I, no. I mean, we started to talk about this a couple of weeks ago because marriage is much the same way. The reality is we need to 
give of ourselves first. And, you know, rest is, is part of that. And that's the selfish thing that you should do from time to time. But um, our first call is to be generous. And that doesn't mean like Edgewater and Good Shepherd need all of your money. Because uh, we don't. But be generous with your time, with your resources, with everything that you have, and be generous with your rights. Um, because ultimately, like, we're given some, some freedoms within the world that we live in. And we should be more than willing to give them up in order to proclaim the gospel of Christ. For example, we have the freedom to be a jerk <coughs> on social media. That we do. It's covered within our First Amendment rights. But you know what? We should you know, my dad, my dad would frequently say give something. Up that right. Um this is something my dad said a fair bit, especially when my brothers and I are in high school, because we had a lot of bad ideas that we <laughs> could have made happen. Like okay. hey, we could build a rocket, we could make our own fireworks. That's within the scope of our capacity. And dad would say something, he would say this, when we had ideas like that, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Yeah. And I think, I think even surrendering our rights, this is an example I was thinking of, like, say, say someone runs into your mailbox uh -huh. and you got to get your mailbox fixed. It is within your right to pursue legal like legal action and to make this other person pay for your mailbox. Uh -huh. How incredible of a witness would it be? You know, they're they're getting out of their car on the side of the road, like they're they're ready for it. And you say, you know what? Christ loved me, Christ forgave me, Christ loves you. I'ma forgive you. And you you give up your right for them to have to pay for the damage they did. And you say, This this is the grace that I've been shown. I can show you this grace. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of it on my own. Uh -huh. um, because people don't do that. Uh -huh. That's weird. That's a weird thing to do. So what a powerful witness witness to say, we're called to something different. Mm -hmm. And how much I care for you and how much I want to witness to you is more important than my rights here. Mm -hmm. I think one that I've certainly wrestled with, and I'm guessing that you probably wrestled with this too, Josh, is around the right, like, not necessarily the rights, but like some of the privileges that uh, religious organizations get here in the United States. We have the right to hold our beliefs. We have the right to worship uh, when and where we see fit. And uh, I mean, there's a line somewhere. But I think way too often we fight for those rights as if they are the right to preach the gospel in the first place. And really, the right to preach the gospel is, are you alive? Yes? Go preach the gospel. Will there be consequences? Yeah, probably. You might lose some friends. You might lose contact with some of your family. But you should do it anyway. 
And if the consequences become more severe because the world turns against the church, great, the church is probably going to get stronger because usually when it goes underground, then it then it grows. So all of that is to say, like, is it worth being a stick in the mud because we feel like some of our, our rights to gather are threatened. Or is it more of a witness to be willing to give those up? Because we, we ultimately know that regardless of what people do, it really doesn't stop us that much from preaching the gospel. Yeah. The, that's something I'm wrestling with. So take yeah. that where and when, where and how you would. Well, and I think there's, there are a lot of, a lot of like sub issues. I feel like you, you probably have to, you'd have to chew through before you could come to clarity on something like that. But, um, but to get back to like the core of, of all of this, it is, who is most important for you and whose priorities are coming first are they yours are they your neighbors are they god's like what where does this decision get made mm -hmm. um and you gotta let me because i don't know if i'm being clear on on how i'm explaining this so i'm going to give it a shot and ben you let me know if i'm not being helpful um and if both of us are just sounding like gibberish, someone, someone let us know that we're someone call us out. <laughs> um, but when when you make a decision, ultimately, whatever is most important to you is what is going to be the final decider. So an example would be: say you are considering, you and your spouse are considering a you're buying you're buying a new tv right what is most important to you is it the making sure you don't go over budget because then you're going to pick your tv based on what is within your budget and that is going to first and foremost be your decider is it you want the best clarity to watch Nashville Predators games, well, then you might be willing to break your budget to get the crystal clear, you know, ultra high def Samsung TV uh, that has been sitting in, in the front display at Sam's Club. Um, and, and you might break your budget because that's more important. But if your budget's more important, you're going to go with the cheaper TV that has less clarity. Or, you know, maybe it's your brand loyalty is more important. So even though it's a worse TV and even though it breaks the budget, you're gonna do it an Apple product. I know Apple doesn't make TVs, but you're gonna pick your Apple product or your Samsung product or whatever, because you're loyal to the brand and the, the clarity and, and the budget can go. So what whatever is most important to you is ultimately what's going to shape that decision the most. So in life, when you are making a decision, you know, when you're deciding, are we going to move? Am I going to change jobs? Where's my kid going to go to school? Um, what are how much are we going to give to the church? Uh, what am I going to spend my extra money on? What am I going to want? Like all of these different things. If the most important thing to you is your own financial security, that's going to change where you decide to live. That is going to affect how much you give to the church. That is going to affect where you're willing to put your kid in school. Because if, if finances are your driver, you're going to say, my kids can go to public school because it's free. You're going to say, I'm not living in California. Those property taxes are stupid. We're going to go live somewhere else, right? If the most important thing to you is, and I'm just going to do the stark contract, or if the most important thing to you is your image, you're going to say, I'm going to live in the nice house. I'm going to drive the nice car. My kid's going to go to a premier school. Even if you don't have money for any of it, 
even if it's not actually good for your family to live in that place or good for your kid to go to that school, if the image is what is most important to you, that is what you're going to make your decisions based on. And if faith is what is most important to you, your finances are going to be where would God have me put this money? When you when when you make the decision about where your kid is going to go to school, you're going to say, what school is going to help my kid's faith grow and develop and mature? When you say, where am I going to live? You're going to say, where am I going to live where I am going to be in, a, in an environment, in a community that's going to make it, that's going to help me practice my faith? And there are other factors that go into those decisions, but ultimately that's going to be the deciding one. So when we're talking about this humility, that's what it comes down for. It's saying what God has called me to is most important and what others need is second most important. And my rights, my preferences, my priorities are last on the list. So if I don't like, oh, I'm going to use a personal example. I'm going to do it. We tithe 10% of our income. The, this, the day I get paid, the next day, 10% of the paycheck goes back to the church. And that hurts sometimes. If I'm being honest, like that's enough money that it would make a difference in our budget. And I would be more comfortable sometimes if we had the extra money in our budget. But I know God has called me to give back to the church. So we make that decision. Even coming out here to California, for for all of you listening, like I had I had no real interest in in living in California. It is really expensive to live here. It is really far away from my family. Like there are a lot of reasons that I personally would love to live somewhere else. However, what I want matters very little because God has called me here. God has sent me here to do to serve the people of Edgewater Lutheran Church. And, and those examples aren't to say, oh, look how high and mighty and holy. It's their personal examples I can use that give you a real image of like, here's what it looks like. And I can tell you, sometimes those decisions are hard, but we have to have the humility to say like what I think is important, what my rights are, aren't that important. So if I need to cut that out because you think it was too self-righteous, let me know and I'll gladly do it. But yeah that's that's part of the reality of being a pastor uh josh and i face is just that we don't have as full of control over our lives as we would like um we we have limited say in where we end up we have limited say in terms of uh what we can do what we can't do what we're paid what's available to us um, there are some benefits, certainly, but like we're not doing this job for the benefits, whatever they may be. We're doing this job because we love the fact that we get to serve people. We get to teach people. Um, my home pastor uh, had the opportunity to ordain me a couple of years ago. And uh, he asked me as we were prepping for the service what I was most looking forward to. And I'm pretty sure I said baptizing babies. Because, like, there's just few things more pure and more awesome than bringing a new child into the faith. Um, I mean, baptizing any new believer is fantastic. And things... It is a thing that I, I very much look forward to. Um, and to me, like, that's worth sacrificing a lot for. <clears throat> and I think out of all of this, what we'd like you to take away, this isn't necessarily a takeaway, but from this particular set of rants, this is the takeaway. <laughs> is we'd like you to consider what your calling is and figure out how God is calling you to sacrifice to fulfill that calling. Um, if you have members of your family that 
have a rocky history with the church and it's going to take time to repair that relationship. Maybe you're being asked to sacrifice your time and your comfort level as you talk to them about some of those things. If you have an elderly parent or grandparent and they need extra care to keep them in their home, uh, and that's still the best option for them, maybe you're being asked to sacrifice your time and the, you know, lovely, lovely things that, you know, cleaning chores are to, to love them and serve them. Um, if you have a, a job that just stinks, uh, I remember I clean, cleaned dorms my first year at Valparaiso. Yeah. On the weekends. Um, I, I literally put on my application, I'm not very squeamish. And that was the reason I got the job. Um, I don't, that's okay. Continue. Move on. All of this <laughs> is to say, like, the job kind of sucked. But I went because I took the job. And I was committed to it. And the only, I think the only days that I took off were one, I got sick. And then two, uh, the pastor that baptized me was preaching in chapel that morning. So I took a day off to go see him. Uh, and outside of that, I didn't miss a day. Not because I loved the job, but because I wanted to sacrifice for the people who'd hired me. And if you have a similarly sucky job, showing up to work could be your 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 sacrifice. Um, just think about what what and where that could apply for you, um, and then do it. Do it. Do it. With that, uh, are we ready for takeaways? I think so. I don't have any more notes on my little pad in front of me. Okay. Um, you want to start or you want me to take one? Give one? I'll start. Go ahead. So I think kind of circling back to the the first thing that we talked about a little bit, um, one of the easiest ways to serve is to just be willing to actually give yourself and engage yourself with people, uh, especially people that you are looking to grow in the faith with. Um, learning to engage in things that you don't understand, even things that aren't interesting to you, um, that can be a really easy place to start. And once you get comfortable doing that and finding that level of engagement, I think it's easier to grow from there. Uh, so I would strongly encourage you Find those opportunities. Get to know somebody in your church that you think is a little weird. Um, but listen, engage, and grow, uh, and serve them in that way. Be all things to all people. I like it. Uh, and my takeaway, more on the humility side of what we talked about, is maybe make that priority list. And see where it needs to change for God's priorities to be first, service, like uh, the priorities of others, the service to others to be next, and then your priorities kind of filter in there. So, and, you know, just between you and God, take a look at those priorities. So that's, I guess, my takeaway and my challenge for, for those of you listening. So with that, with that <laughs> some prayer thoughts. Prayer uh, thoughts. Uh, pray for us after this episode releases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also pray that that God helps you to be humble in the midst of the craziness of life, uh, especially when we're succeeding. It's harder for us to be willing to lower ourselves and, and serve in humility. Um, so pray for balance there. Pray for humility uh, and, and pray that God opens your eyes to show you where your priorities and perhaps your uh, 
the way that you're committing yourself and your time uh, are out of whack. Yeah, and maybe a little a uh, little gospel proclamation thrown in here. And we can pray Thanksgiving because God put His priorities aside mm-hmm. in Jesus for us, mm-hmm. and He sacrificed uh, everything that that went into uh, went into the cross for us. Um, because that's God put his priority on his love for us. So uh, prayers of thanksgiving for that gift. And if you have a friend who struggles with priorities, go ahead and send them this. Uh, You might have to have an interesting conversation with them later. Uh, If you're the friend who received this and you've gotten this far, like kudos to you. be nice to your friend because they're probably just trying to help. Um, or if you if you think anyone uh, anyone in your life would be interested in this particular episode, go ahead and send them a link. And uh, you, you're free to obviously share this episode in that way. If you're a first time listener or you haven't subscribed and you're a regular listener, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. In the words of YouTubers, smash that subscribe button. It, uh, it validates the time we spent on this a little bit. Uh, we are on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and maybe your least favorite ones too. We're on Pandora, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, TuneIn. Like we're on, we're on all of them and we're on YouTube. Feel free to check us out wherever you, you like to listen to stuff. And we do have a Facebook page that gets checked. <laughs> Especially today, if you feel like there was stuff we missed, drop it there. Or you feel like you need to, like, I don't know, come at us for something. Flat back, yeah. Yeah. Do it privately. That way we can, like, engage in a real conversation. We'd appreciate that. Yeah, if if you do something, if you're rude on the page, your comments will just get deleted. We won't deal with them. We will just delete them. Um, Because we're, that's not how we're called to deal with things. But uh, the Facebook page is mostly there. If you don't know us personally and you'd like to interact interact with some of this stuff, uh, you can message the Facebook page or post on the Facebook page, and we'll we'll, we'll see it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know us personally, just uh, talk to us. Give us a call. Give us a text, and we'll we'll do stuff that way. And that is, if you have questions, comments, concerns about this episode, or you want to suggest a topic or a guest host, or if you want to come on the show and talk about something, we're open to all of those things. I think that's it for our shameless plugs. So with that, go to church this weekend. It's well, yeah, no, this, when this podcast release, it will be Easter weekend. So go to church. Uh, if you're at Edgewater, good Friday, seven o'clock Easter Sunday, 10 o'clock, be there, celebrate. It's part, it's like, it's like the big deal. Like this is- Good Shepherd, check, check the Facebook page for the times. There's, there's a lot of services. That means Ben doesn't remember. No, I, he I do He says he's going to spend all weekend at church. Monday, Thursday at seven, Good Friday at <laughs> noon and seven, Easter at eight, 9.30 and 11. We'll see you What there. can I say? I challenged him and he met the challenge. Uh, all right. Uh, we'll see you in church. Brothers and sisters, go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.